You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to that Chess Podcast, episode 35, Southampton Stalemate. I'm joined by Jack Davies, as always. How are we doing, fella? Um, I'm all right. Not not a great result today, um, but I'm sure we'll get into discussing it now. Yeah, returning to the pod, it's been a while. You know, last time he was on, we had two nil-nil draws. So, unfortunately, he's returned and we've not had a great, great result. But returning to the pod, it's been long awaited. It's Mr. Tom Overend. Tom, how are we doing, sir? Well, I thought your intro actually sort of summed the game up, to be honest, mate. Just um, boring and as kind of disinterested as a lot of the team were today, mate. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm all right. It's it's just it's just epitomised the week, really. Just a bit grey and a bit dull and a one-all draw that we sort of have to move on from as quickly as possible, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, as always. With our guests, I get them to sort of plug what they're about. And obviously, last time Tom was here, he was the owner of All Things Chelsea. But there's been, you know, quite a bit of change there now with All Things Chelsea sort of merging with SW6 to sort of become the Chelsea Social. So, Tom, why don't you tell people what they can get their Chelsea Social? Yes, do. Follow the Chelsea Social at the Chelsea Social on Twitter. We're also on YouTube. Um, my good friends Jay and Hajir run that. Uh, I'm sure you know them both, both big names. Um, and I, we also have the website, which you'll be able to access from the Twitter and everything we do goes up there. Um, also the Chelsea Women's Social as well. Um, we do, we probably have the best and the only exclusive Chelsea Women's um, editorial Twitter, Twitter fan site in that way that I think possibly the biggest, possibly not the only one, but definitely the biggest. So yeah. That's definitely something that you should look out for. Um, so, yeah, there's a whole range of platforms. And follow me at Tobas98 as well, if you haven't already. Yeah, the if you've only started following this elite podcast, but you won't because you'll have been listening to this <laughs> from the start because this is one of the best pods out there. No even, questions asked. I didn't even pay Tom to say that. That was brilliant stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I say all Tom's links will be in the description, as will the Chelsea socials. <laughs> Honestly, check them out, making great content. And Tom is one of the nicest lads on Twitter. So, yeah. Make sure you check him out. He's a great you, follow. Mate. Right. After, you know, an encouraging start under Thomas Tuchel, we were brought back down to earth today with a 1-1 draw against Southampton that was dull. But Jack, I guess the big news was that N'Golo Kante started in that midfield. You know, obviously we've been seeing the Jovacic duo, but N'Golo Kante mm-hmm. started today. And I guess he's the main player I want to talk about first. One, do you think he was brought in perhaps sort of like as a test run for maybe the Atletico game in midweek or was he just resting Jorginho? And then two, what do you make of his display today? 
Um, personally, I, I think, I know you disagree, Nick, but I think he's resting Jorginho for, for Tuesday night against Atletico. Um, and then I, I thought he did well. He, he just does what he does best. Um, the amount, of, Honestly, the amount of times that bloke wins the ball back and then gets us on the front foot is a joke. That's And that's the main reason why I think he we've got to find a space for him in this team. I know his... His passing ability going forwards isn't the greatest. You see him knock it out, out of play quite a few times, to even today. Um, but what he does best, he's there's no one better than him. So I think he's he's we've got to start him in some some way, shape, or form. If we've got to change the formation or whatever, he's got to play, in my opinion. Yep, Tom. Angolo Kante, most ball recoveries today with 13, most tackles made with seven, most interceptions four, 100% take-ons completed, 100%. Aerial duels won. Certainly, I think we noticed, you know, in the moments we were good, we won the ball back very quickly and he was a large part of that. But then again, unfortunately, we've been going back to the other side is the negative that offensively, you know, sometimes just that fight, you know, again, it means a common theme is not just him today, but that final ball, you know, sometimes too overhit. You know, what did you sort of make of N'Golo's display today? I thought he was much better in the double six than we've seen this season when he's played on his own as a sort of single base in midfield, which I think was a recipe for disaster, actually. Um, I think he was good. I, I'm not sure Kovacic is his best partner. I actually think Kovacic plays much better when it's Jorginho next to him. Uh, it's not to say that I think Jorginho is a better player than Kante or anything like that. It's just how I feel watching them. I'm not sure a double six with Kante alongside either, either Cover or Jorginho is sort of tailor-made for him in that way. And I mean, it's something I, I suppose I'm looking too far forward um, because we not we obviously aren't looking at next season. We've got to get top four and everything like that first. But yeah, I think I think Kante Kante had a good game. But I wouldn't I, I wouldn't say it was one of his best games for the club. But I would say yeah, he, he played well. He was definitely one of our better players out there today. Yeah, fair enough. Jack, the other side of his coin is midfield partner Mateo Kovacic. After a bright 20 minutes, I thought he honestly stung the place up. And that's, <laughs> you know, and I know people will know that we're not the biggest fans of, you know, Jovicic. And, you know, we're not, we don't necessarily rate Cover as highly as others. But, you know, we said Cover had been playing well lately. But after that first 20 minutes today, I thought he was poor. He got caught caught in possession a couple of yeah. times he gave away a stupid needless corner and when you've got someone like James Ward Prowse delivering those that can be a mm. recipe for disaster it actually led to Vestergaard's header in the bar yeah um Kovacic today just did not work did he did not play well no nah, not at all and the things that he's best at picking up the ball and getting out of those tight spaces when people pressing him um getting beyond them today it just it just wasn't working every time he was getting intercepted people tackling him and like leading to potential dangerous play um, for Southampton going forward with the ball. And then, like you said, Nick, that, that one where he just completely passed it out for a corner and then they go and hit the crossbar. I mean, that's just basic, basic play. Um, so I was not surprised at all when, <laughs> when I saw him coming off for Jorginho because by his standards, yeah, he had a bit of a stinker today. But at the end of the day, a lot of them... Uh, a lot of them struggled today, so it was just one of those games for us. Nothing was really wasn't really ticking over for us, was it? And just like you like you said earlier, just the the final passes today, so many. Just like uh, Alonso trying to play it through to Werner, Mount playing it slightly behind Reese, um, Callum getting on the byline and taking an extra touch when he could have cut it back to Mason. Just things like that, when if we made that pass, we would have had a big opportunity. But we messed that final pass up and then we basically created nothing today. It's another penalty that's got us a point at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, Tom, before we move on to the play one penalty, do you have any force swad on Kovacic today? Or... Yeah, I, I think to be quite honest with you, his style of play only works when he has midfielders next to him who understand his pressing pattern and his style of play on the ball. And I think that Jorginho understands that much more than Kante does. That's not to say for me that Jorginho is a better player than Kante, because I don't think he is. But I would say that, to be honest with you, 
Kovacic works in a pivot when it's with Jorginho because they understand the pressing pressing pattern and pressing dynamic. And when when Kovacic is in a midfield where you just don't get the, the sort of pressing pattern and there's no rhythm between the two midfielders, I, I just I just don't think he works. And in terms of, you know, or, or I suppose for that reason only, I don't think today was his day. And I don't think... I don't think he played well, and I don't think the mid- the midfield in general particularly played well on the ball. Yeah, obviously, you know, we only got a draw really because of a penalty. Jack Mason Mount won that penalty, and then Cooley converted. I thought in the first half he wasn't great. You know, again, you sort of mentioned he was one of those guilty for that final ball, but it seemed that him winning the penalty and actually converting it gave him a new lease of life because after that he was comfortably our best player on the pitch. Yeah, best player by a mile, and. I think that's one we'll probably get onto the formation later, but I think that's one of the problems with this formation and having so many defensive players. We're so reliant on Mason Mount to go and create something further up the pitch. Um, and when we've got players like Pulisic, Havertz and it, those, etc., injured, it's just so much weight on the boy's shoulders and he tries his best. And today, like I said, he was definitely our best player. Um, Try, try, literally trying all he can to try and create something. The way he manipulates the ball and got past a few people today was just brilliant. Um, and also stepping up for the penalty, especially after missing one in the League Cup against Spurs, that, that decisive one, um, I thought that showed, showed some real courage and it just shows that he is one of the biggest leaders in this team for us. Yeah, that was his first penalty taken, not in a shootout in senior football, I believe, today. So that was... Big kindness, and obviously with the Portsmouth link, he'd have loved getting that goal <laughs> against Southampton. Uh, Tom Mason Mount, arguably our most, you know, the term clutch is often used to describe players, but right now you'd, you'd probably use that word to describe Mason Mount, wouldn't you? Well, I suppose the word clutch, I, I had always thought the word clutch would sort of mean a player that can produce one good, one good moment a game or every couple of games. and And that's the moment that kind of, they live off and play off. And I think that Mason Mount's better than that. I mean, I think he, when he's not overplayed, and, and that is a big proviso for me because I think he very frequently gets overplayed and then in the middle of the season sort of struggles a bit. And it happened last season. I think it happened this season. But I think today he was, even in the first half, I, I mean, look, he wasn't incredible. But you can always see the work rate there with Mount. And that's why he's always a first name on the team sheet. All I would say is I I would hope that he, as I say, managers learn to manage his game time and don't over-exploit him. And the reason I say that is because I think sometimes you see his work rate, you see him trying, but he just plays so much football that his legs just sort of, I don't say go because it's not like he's finished <laughs> as a footballer or something, but in the middle of the season, that's why I think he's less effective and gets the charges that he's a, I don't know, you get people saying that he's just in the team for his work rate. And that's just not the case. It's just that, as I say, he's fatigued and quite tired. And now he's come back out the other side. I say that, you know, in, in a way that, you know, I don't think it's always his fault. And he's been outstanding at the beginning of the season, going into the sort of middle of the season. Obviously, bad run of form. He was probably our best player. Um, and he's coming out and he's just such a splendid player and a, and a great guy as well, I think. Just has a perfect attitude. And you can see why every manager that's ever coached him basically puts him at the top of the pile, you know? I, I think that's the mentality of him as well. You You see him in the interviews or... I've seen things of him say it that they ask him about his game time and yeah, arguably sometimes he can look fatigued, but that's the mentality he's got. He says, I want to play every game. The career of a football player is short and I want to just play as many games as I can. And that just shows what he is about as a player and a, and a person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I agree and, with you. And look, he's, you know, new managers come in and Mason again has been one of the sort of standout players under Tuchel as well so look he's you know he's adapting getting used to what he's doing and look he's being asked to play a role that's unfamiliar to him as well you know under Frank he was 
certainly deployed a lot deeper and he's still, you know, he's still learning, you know, I guess fish roll under Tuchel and he's shown some encouraging displays. But like Tom said, I do also think at times, you know, he definitely is overplayed. But again, I also think, as Jaxel mentioned, that's not been helped by the fact that Pulisic has had injuries, Havertz has had injuries and Ziyech has been injured. And now when you play in this formation, if, you, if your wingbacks have a poor day like they do today, you're, you're all of a sudden you're relying a lot on Mason to try and create something for you. So look, credit to him, he he definitely helped us get the point. Uh, Tammy was subbed at half time. He was pretty anonymous today. I thought it was an injury at first, but Tuchel said no, nah, it was tactical. Still, that's completely fine with me because you know, although Tammy didn't really have any service, he wasn't really doing anything for me up front. Um, Callum, the sub got subbed. That was interesting. We've got questions on that, so I'll actually go into that on the question section where I'll get the boys to to give their discussion. And then, um, yeah, Jorginho born for Kovacic. Probably one of the rare times I will say at one. Oh, I'm quite happy with Jorginho being bought on for Mateo Kovacic. So I think that kind of shows how I felt about Kovacic's display today. Yeah, wing backs weren't great. I'm not sure. We didn't actually talk. Did we talk about the first goal? We conceded how ludicrously bad it was. No, we haven't. No, we haven't. Yeah, that was... Talk to me. Talk to me. <laughs> Kurt Zuma, what's he doing? What's uh, what's Kurt Zuma and Aspi doing there? Shocking. Oh, I have no words. It was just, it, 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 oh, it was just, Minamino just cut through like a nice through butter, honestly. It was really pedestrian defending, to say the to say the least. And I think when you don't take your man in the middle of a back three, what what do you expect? Just, just, just really, really poor. And I think Tuchel will, 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 will certainly be having words because I think, you know, if you're defending in a back three and you do that, Mm. then you know he's got plans to move it over to a back four well given the state of that I really don't think he will want to move to a back four until you know such basic defensive defensive errors like that are eradicated from our game because it was just you know it, it was just a case of I think a lack of concentration not really valuing the clean sheet and the goal and and it cost us today. It cost us the win today. I'm pretty sure that mm. that that one moment cost us three points because I think had had we had that not happened, we would have got the goal. I think we'd have, you know, it might not have been pretty, it might not have been beautiful, but it, you know, we'd have got three points, and they had no other chances than that. And unfortunately, that defensive lapse has cost us, and yeah. it's our own fault ultimately. Jack. Lovely finish from Minamino, though. Yeah, Jack. Mm. Look, yeah. you know, Zuma's had a good season, but again, you know, we talk, talk about it. We sort of talked about it, but I said under Tuchel, you sort of play this team with these players, eventually they'll let you down. Well, it's happened in mm-hmm. his, what, sixth game in the league. We've had a, you know, a yeah, proper on, defensive on a, lapse. And, yeah, you know, big time. And I said I was fearful if we do that against, you know, a better team, we get punished. Well, look, look who we've got coming up now, so... Exactly. Yeah, I mean the the honeymoon phase is uh, completely finished now. When you see our next load of fixtures, and we mentioned them heavily last week, um, if if you're giving up goals like that against Southampton, the the better teams are going to punish us. Um, just when you saw that today, and it's just slipped through that easily. Honestly, it was like it was like the parting of the Red Sea. That the gap was so big, yeah. and you just literally see him go straight through. And like Tom said, credit to him, good finish. But that's it's not good enough at the end of the day. Um, Aspie's there, maybe could could go over, but then Reese should be dropping back in to cover Danny Ings, uh, who's over Aspie's shoulder. But at the end of the day, for me, that's all down to Zuma. That poor defending, he's completely out of position, not marking anyone, and just allows him to run into the space at the end of the day. Yeah, the most frustrating thing is, you know, we seemed in relative relative control of that point. Yeah, we, you know, hadn't created the openings we'd have liked. And that was the thing that sort of worried me and shipped me the most. For Southampton get one opportunity, they put up, you know, do one bit of, like, creativity, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves 1-0 down. And against better sides, you know, we, we could play well and not take our chances, and then it'll be a different outcome. Again, you know, better, better sides won't give up that, you know, that position of, dom, you know, that lead that they're in. Um, mm-hmm. right, we kind of discussed everyone we want to discuss. I said we're going to get on to chat. Callum's the questions. Oh, go on, Tom. 
Well, I suppose what, 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 what I would say is, you know, you talk about Southampton getting one opportunity, but for me, it wasn't really an opportunity for them as if to say that, you know, one good piece of counter-attacking football, because it wasn't. It was literally uh, it, us leaving the door just, open yeah. and they've just walked straight Go through on, it. Walk, yeah, walk it in. <laughs> yeah, I think. And that's, and, and that's what's cost us. And, and, and the problem is, with that, is, as you say, that has cost us the three points. Not Southampton playing especially well, yeah, they defended all right. They they kept us at bay. They limited it to one goal. And, you know, Ings being being an idiot has basically cost them three points. But it wasn't as if they earned that goal. It was just it was just given to them. And that's and, that's the problem. And at the end of the day, that's that's the Southampton team that's lost six on the bounce in the league as well. And you think that there was a massive opportunity for us to go and get three points against them, especially with the the fixtures ahead. So massively disappointing today. Yeah, yep. I guess the severity of the situation we'll only see once the weekend's over, but, you know, potentially, potentially outside the top four after this weekend, after doing so well to get back in it and with our tough run of fixtures, yeah, this, you know, could be a costly, you know, moment in the season, but we'll have to wait and see. Right. Going to get on to some listener questions now. First question comes in from Trey. He asks, is it time to change formation or is this just a bad game to not react about uh, Tom? Not to overreact about Tom, I'll give that one to you. I think, uh, to be honest with you, talk about changing formation, I, I know that in the longer term, Tuchel will be wanting to go to a 4-3-3. So I think if we're talking about the long term, as in next season, if it comes or whatever, then no, you know, I think I think that would have come regardless of today. We're talking about the next game against Atletico, then we got Man United after that and everything, um, you know, the tough run forwards. No, I think the back three is very much here to stay. I think in some way there's a quite a good chance he's part of the reason he went with a three is because Atletico are using a three at the moment. So for us to have, you know, a long run of games using it, getting used to his style of football, but while using a shape that can help us beat Atletico, that's definitely a factor for me. And that, that you know, I don't see him changing that for such a big game. He's mentioned as well how much uh, the Champions League is going to mean to him this season. Obviously, it's his chance at a trophy in his view. I mean, obviously, I think many of our fans' views you know, I think for many fans, we've already been knocked out of the Champions League. So that's quite, you know, an important factor to use. I think if, say, we get knocked out in the Champions League by Atletico, I don't think that's a foregone conclusion, by the way. And we're, you know, building and playing after that. He might move to about four early, you know, to get us ready for next season. But no, I think I think for the next next few games, definitely between the two Atletico legs, it will definitely be sort of three four one two or three four three something in that region. And I don't see that changing personally. Um, but that's just my view. Yeah, I'll give my answer before I go to Jack. Look, at the moment, you know, I'm fine with the formation if it's you know if it gets results today. Is the first you know real time. It's not got us results. But then again, you can argue that an individual you know a moment of just stupidness, you know, arguably cost us today. And yeah, we didn't perhaps create enough attacking wise, but I think the free, look, it's doing a job at the moment and Tuchel's just got to get results now to the end of the season. Really look, if we, if we're still using a free of the back next season and we're seeing players who I don't think should be here, then that's when I'll be more concerned. But as I say, I think, I, I think the free of the back now is to use, um, to get the best out of the players he's using, whether these, whether all these players will be here next season, though, is another matter. But he's just using it to try and get the best out of the current situation he's in. Jack? Yeah, it's just him needing to get the results, I think. It goes back to the injury situation as well, when you've got the likes of Pulisic, Ziyech having been injured, Havertz being out. Um, players like that um, being injured, he hasn't got as much creative players to choose from so he's probably thought we might as well um, 
make ourselves more resolute at the back and just build on keeping clean sheets and then hoping we go up the other end and score a goal. And when we've when we've scored the first goal, we we've been pretty comfortable in games. And like Tom said, if we'd scored the first goal today, then it probably would have been the same shutout and we would have just killed the game off like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Next question comes in from Robin. He goes, how depressing is it that we are miles off winning the Premier League anytime soon? Um, okay. Yeah. But it's fair, fair enough question. Uh, I guess, given how impressive City look. Tom, are you like that concerned about that right now? or No. Um, I, I don't think we're as far off as people are saying, actually. I think... I think this is weird because I think some people view me as quite a negative fan voice, but I think we have the ingredients and we have the players to win the Premier League. And of that, I have no doubt. I mean, yes, we need to get the Deadwood out. Yes, we need to give you know, Tuchel time to implement his style on this team. But no, I don't think we're as far as people say. Obviously, it's not going to come this season. But often, I think with Chelsea, we do well when we don't necessarily expect it. And... That was the problem this season. I think the weight of expectation brought us down. And so, you know, no, I, I'm not depressed by this team and this group of players. I think they've got a big future ahead and I'm certain that good things are coming and it's not going to be too long till we see them. Yeah, fair enough. I don't want to repeat myself, but I've always maintained that this squad looks good on paper, but it's a team for the future, not a team for the now. So I think we've got to be patient with it, you know, we go, we come next season. You have people like Mason and Reese in their third season of, you know, regularish Premier League football. New signings will have had a bit more time to come. So we'll just have to wait and see. But what I would say is if if we are going to get, go for Premier League, there's got to be, the board have got to be decisive for me. I do think Deadwood has to be cleared. And I, I realise, and I think when people use the term Deadwood, it can, kind of lose meaning because I think Deadwood isn't you know about a player's ability it's about a player's use to a manager so we're going to have to wait to see what players are like really useful and important to Tuchel but do I think Marcus Alonso is good enough to help us win a Premier League title no do I think Antonio Rudiger is good He's enough to help us win a Premier League title no and I Tom I know what you're going to say about Marcus Alonso I know what I would I'm say I'm not is Alonso that was, fan yeah no I know what I would but say but he has that done was, it before he has done it before that was three coming up to four years ago now and the Premier League the quality of teams I would say that we're up against has improved quite a lot since then I don't I don't mean like this isn't me trying to play it down but I think at the time you go remember our, our nearest challenger was a Tottenham side so that kind of says all but don't get me wrong but no I don't think I'm just sort of using perhaps Alonso as an example but so players that I'm not sure perhaps are good enough to get us to that next level to compete or not good enough for us anymore jack are you sort of depressed about it or just you know not really um no not really because i don't really didn't really expect it from us at all so it's not one of those where you've set your expectation of going and winning the league because i don't think we ever had that so um i think it was one of those we just got a bit excited early on in the season because we saw some good results being pulled off but then we got brought back down to earth pretty much like today brought back down to earth um and then then again i think if if the board went out and signed a striker who had an impact like diego costa had for us or go and sign someone like harland who can who's just ruthless in front of goal and is a goal machine not necessarily not necessarily the most technical player but just scores goals for fun today we would have won that game easily because we we he probably would have made something out of nothing so I think that was recruitment as well was a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tom, we have got a question about recruitment, so I will get on to that later. And also, look, Tom joined us at the start of the season and we got, you know, we decided what were our season expectations for the season. And if I'm correct, none of us said a title. I don't think any of us said a title challenge. Nope. I think Good. we all said a more comfortable top four finish. Top four. And hopefully, yeah. and you know, hopefully win the FA Cup, go one step further yeah. than last year. And I think try and win a knockout time get win and knockout time for Champions League. That's certainly yeah. what I said. Yeah, I believe that that's what Jack said. And that's what Tom said. So I think I definitely were, said yeah, that. Yeah, we were we were pre I think we were all quite realistic. I think we I think we you know we didn't none of us were saying we're gonna win the league. And then Jack he went at the start of the season when things were going well people asked us we kind of always played it down. So I'm not really depressed about it. 
what I am maybe slightly depressed about is I think the board do are going to have unrealistic expectations for Tuchel next season. I, I think they think this squad is perhaps, and I know it's a good squad, but I still think it's going to take time for Tuchel, you know, to get this squad playing how he wants. And is he going to be afforded that time? And if he gets sacked, then it's another, you know, another reset button press. So that's my concern. And given what we saw happen earlier this season with Frank going, and I know, you know, Tuchel's a lot more experienced manager, but will Tuchel be given the time? That to, it, to me, if Tuchel, it, it depends. We can get back to challenging and winning a Premier League title if Thomas Tuchel is given time by the Chelsea board. Whether he is afforded that time for me is a completely different question. So we'll have to wait and see. And guys, we'll be back in a second part two to continue answering your questions. Welcome back to part two. We're still answering your questions. The next question comes in from Carly. Goes, what did you make of the Callum sub? It's a bit. It's a big call and a risky one from Tuchel. Uh, on Dean had a similar question. He first he said, what minute did you fall asleep at? And then he said, until on Callum coming on and then getting hooked off. Uh, Tom, what did you make of the Callum whole the whole situation? The sub being subbed. Um. Well, it's a tough one because I think, you know there was a time where something like that would be seen as a big statement and the right thing to do. But I think the way that players are at the moment, it raises a lot of questions. And I, I think it's clear that Tuchel likes hudson Adoy, But when you're bringing a player on to hook him off, there's quite a big feeling of embarrassment for the player, which does happen. And I, and I think... There's no longer the sort of deference to a manager that means that you don't, you know, that that's not an issue. Um, and I think, you know, he has to be careful with keeping on doing that and especially criticising him to the press. So to say that, you know, he didn't like his energy and that he wasn't engaging correctly tactically. Is that something, you know, after given that I would say he's been our best player under Thomas Tuchel, was that really necessary? Was that really something after one bad game that had to be sort of said mm. to the press? For me, this is the first time, and I hope I hope I'm proving completely wrong here. I'm sure I will be. That Tuchel's done something that I am lukewarm and sort of uncertain about. And as much as say, you know, there are times in the past where, where you know, a manager would be within his rights to do that. Obviously, still is within his rights to do that. Doing something like that does not does not come without its risks. So hopefully, we see a much better Hudson Odoi and whatever on mm -hmm. on Wednesday against Atletico, and and we see, you know, it completely justified. But you know, you've got to hope that that doesn't destroy the equilibrium because. Callum, I think, has been so, so good for us, you know, in recent weeks that I I, I, I would keep him, you know, j just just keep him wrapped under cotton wool for a bit and don't, I, I wouldn't suggest he does that again, to be quite honest with you. I don't think it's a good move. Fair enough. Jack? Um, it's, it's a difficult one. Like Tom said, you're sort of playing with fire doing it. Um, but the caveat to that could be that you clearly can see after the other games like when Callum's played well that they have a good relationship and that he clearly rates him so it's not like he's doing it someone like Chilwell that's barely played any minutes he comes on for 10-15 minutes and hooks him off so it's, it's slightly different in that regard but in the modern world of football you've got to be really careful because doing things like that you can lose that player and then start losing some of the dressing room um at the end of the day I'm from doing it for the first time I'm not really gonna have too many complaints about it um I think he's a manager who who could really make Callum Hudson-Odoi as a player so he he's testing testing his mentality at the end of the day um if he really wants it and I know modern players don't like that and it is embarrassing but he's just got to go back to the training ground train harder and show that he has been one of our best players since he's come in 
Yeah, look, you know, it was when I saw the substitution, I was shocked because I was like, wait, come yeah. on, the sub being sub, that's pretty rare. But then again, I looked at it and look, I know the performance is one ground pitch, but I looked and it goes, what did Callum actually do of note today? Maybe I've, I'm missing something, but I genuinely didn't really notice his sort of impact on the pitch. And look, you're not that one byline, yeah. byline chance Which where he messed scuffed up. it. Yeah. yeah, but you know it's what you know it's one all. And look, I know people go, "Well, you could have take. Why did he take Kovacic off for Jorginho?" But I think that's you know a different matter because I think Kovacic, you know, the midfield was struggling. Yeah, he was he sure. to shore the midfield up, try and shore the midfield up a bit. And then I'm people go. Then I'm thinking, where else? Where else do you make the switch? Because it's not for me. It's not a question of bringing Callum off. It's a question of him wanting to bring Ziyech on. And where does Ziyech fit bringing him on in the team? Well, you're not going to put him in a wing back role. <laughs> So then, yeah, but he could, but he could easily have, he could easily have taken Timo off. And realistically, what did Timo do today? And I think the thing, the thing, the thing with Callum, that's that's my point. On then, you've got no striker if you take him off. The 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 thing is with Callum, is that he offers that he can just do something out of nothing. And you, I sort of struggling to find why he take him off when. He can do that and has been doing that for us in the past few weeks. When Timo, yeah, he scored a goal last week, but it, 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 today and things like you just see him like I don't know, just take poor touches and not get past people, hit crosses into the box that he's not really aiming for anyone, if you ask me. So I think it's harsh, and especially he's only on for like twenty minutes, um, which is which is peak, but. It is what it is, and it's going to test his test his um, mentality. So hopefully he comes through it. And like Tuchel said, he said how it had said it how it was in the interview. But he said to said that he he has a chance of starting on Tuesday. So you never know. We might see a masterstroke on Tuesday and him have a performance of his life to to prove to Tuchel that that was the mistake taking him off today. Yeah, and look, you know, I, for me, it's down. You say as I mentioned, it's down to position. Where else would you put Hakim Ziyech on pitch? And I pitch nice. Jack said Timo Werner, but you know, maybe he still he wants that that striker mm-hmm. threat on. And then you back four. Yeah, that's okay. what I'd have done. Back four and what? Put take Alonso off and put Aspi left back or something. Yeah, I'll take James off. Take Aspi off. You yeah. know, it's not rocket science. I, I mean, mm. I agree with you. If he wants to keep the back three, then yes. I, 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 I take your logic, but I think Thomas Tuchel is a man that tactically changes shape within games and, and is, he, he's not afraid of doing that. It's not like, say, you had Antonio Conte or Maurizio Sarri who, you know, had their way of playing. I think it was definitely a statement for Hudson Adoy. It was definitely making a statement. And I think. Yes, there is some some argument that can be leveraged about, you know, which shape would you play or, or within that shape, where would Ziyech play? But I, I, I definitely think it was a statement and it, it, it was more than just a, oh, I want to bring Ziyech on and I don't know where I can put him. Personally, that's my interpretation Fair anyway. Fair enough. Look, I think, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing if Thomas Tuchel's going to send a statement to his players on the pitch that, you know, if you don't perform and do what asked, you'll get hooked, regardless of if you've just been subbed. And I'd like to think that that will be, you know, those same standards will be applied to other players, not just Callum, and I, I think they will. So, look, we've got to see how it bounces back. But as said, Jack, as Jack mentioned, the fact that he's got a good relationship with Callum, it seems, makes me like worry less. I remember when Juan Mata... Jose's first game at United, he subbed him on and subbed him off in the community shield. And there's that whole narrative about, oh, Mourinho is going to do the same to him as he did at Chelsea because obviously they didn't have a great relationship. I think, you know, it's different in the fact that he seemed to have a good relationship with Callum. So, look, it's not great. Obviously, you're going to have people that like what Tuchel didn't and some who didn't and maybe there's some middle ground. But I don't think it was that big a deal. But now we've just got to see how Callum bounces back from it. And look, hopefully he can, you know, if given the chance against Atletico, Put in a strong showing. Right, we're going to talk about the man who replaced him, Hakim Ziyech. Davy Shepherd asked, what other than name on the shirt is currently getting Ziyech minutes? Jeez. Harsh question. Tom. I think he looked lost on the pitch today, to be completely honest with you. And I think 
it's the problem with having a big squad is is being shown, for instance, by him feeling the need to bring on Ziyech, who hasn't had match experience in the last few weeks. And it really, really showed today. And I, and I think he offered no more than Hudson-Odoi did. And, and that's not to... Obviously, you do, you do make some comparisons naturally. I, I, I would suggest personally... It was just a showing that shows he's, you know, there have been stories saying he's not enjoying life in London. He wants to move away from the club, I read the other week. And a performance like that today showed me just why, for footballing reasons, that might just be so, unfortunately. Um, yeah, that's that, that, that's where I'm at on ZH, to be honest with you. I struggled to see much good in the 15 minutes Plus, he was on the pitch today. Um, and it gives me no pleasure to say it because I love him. I think he's got the most incredible backstory. And I think he always gives his all. He's always trying. But it, it, it just looked, it looked painful, to be honest with you. I would go as far as to say today. And that's the bottom line of it. Yeah, his touch wasn't great at times. What I will, you know, the only way I will defending him, defend him is why why are our defence playing like long high balls to him in the air? He's not going to win and compete for them. That, you know, how many yeah. times were balls put in the air and you see him like beaten in the air? Like he's not going to get anything from them. So, you know, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be fuming if, if I was him because when I play as well, I like the ball being punched into my feet. I'm not, one of those players that likes playing in the air. So it, he's one of those that's technically very gifted and people just lumping it in the air. I'd be fuming if I was him. And I know he didn't play well when he came on, but like you said, Nick, it doesn't help him at all having things like that done to him. But at the end of the day, he's going through a tough time. He's had his injuries, but it, he's he's finding it difficult. I think he's low on confidence. I think you can go back to the Barnsley game in the FA Cup last week. He, I think I saw something that he gave away possession 26 times and he only completed 20 passes that game, oh which against championship opposition, I know it was a poor pitch, but that's not good enough. And I think that, show, that just shows what, what he's going through at the moment. Um, yeah, and look, I think, you know, harping back to the Callum sub, the fact that ZH came on and had basically no impact doesn't help, you know, that, that case for subbing Callum at all. But yeah, look, ZH is struggling at the moment. And again, his delivery, you know, his delivery in the box today wasn't corner. great. His corner, the corner you know, yeah, just exactly. It wasn't great. Not helping himself. himself. So when he does get the opportunity, he's not exactly helped himself. But Chelsea, for the love of God, if he does play, please don't boot high balls in the air for him to try and compete. <laughs> Uh, next question comes in from Shyam. He asks, do you think Thomas Tuchel should be looking to make room for Ziyech in that starting eleven? Because he's easily one of our most, he was easily one of our best creative players. Before I go to Tom and Jack, for me in this 3-4-2-1, I struggle to see Ziyech fitting in, to be honest. I struggle to see him playing in one of the more advanced areas, but Tom. In fairness, right, Shyam says he's one of our best creative players. At the moment, he's one of our best creative players only on paper because whenever he's come onto the pitch, I've not seen anything to suggest that. And that's obviously on paper, he certainly is. He's a fine, fine footballer. But I don't think you make room in your starting eleven for players that are just that low on confidence and just aren't performing. And I think he's very much, not, as you say, not a man for that 3-4-2-1. The role's just too narrow for him. And I think as much as I'd quite like to see him given a go as, as a wide man, as a winger or sort of wing back defensive winger, I don't think that that, that would be in Tuchel's plans because I think he would worry about his defensive sort of responsibilities and the amount of legwork that would be in that role for him. Um, but then, we, as I say, with Tuchel wanting to go to 4-3-3, then, you know, is there, is there some idea that he's trying to play the long game with CH? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Um, and if that's so, you know, we might see a new lease of life from him. But will it be too late to sort of save his confidence at Chelsea? 
and that is where I so I think it's a high risk game if that is the case and I don't really know where we go with him to be honest with you and that does worry me a little bit yeah I certainly think in this formation it does look quite tough for him and look you know we've seen players have a poor first season Premier League and then come back stronger the second year maybe you know the change of formation will work for him and look to be fair, he did have a designated role under Frank earlier on in the season. And when he when he was fit, you know, he looked good. And he clearly, you know, he was you know able to use his skills. But right now, he doesn't really seem to fit into what Tuchel wants. Uh, Jack, I'll give this question to you to start with. It comes from the class of 19. Is it time to start questioning the board over our signings? Can only make an argument for Kante and Kovacic as good signings under Marina. I think our main issue is the lack of quality in our squad. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I mean, I think these this this goes back years. Honestly, when you when I'll go back to Conte as a prime example. He's just come come in. I know we didn't have Champions League football that year, but he took us from tenth to first in a season where we never thought we'd win the league. He did all of that, got us to an FA Cup final as well, and then he he goes to the board and wants certain players and they don't give them to him. He wanted Lukaku, etc., and he got given Drinkwater, Bakayoko, Alvaro Morata, Zappa Costa. Uh, and that's where, it's, that's where it starts, the downfall for even him back then. Um, and honestly, the list, the list goes on with them, doesn't it, really? Um, just pointless signings like... Bubba Rahman, Kennedy, and someone like Bashwai. Um and what did they say? Kante and Cover. Yeah, well, Kante hundred percent that was for thirty two million back then was an absolute steal and he's been brilliant for us over the years. And then Cover as well, on the whole, has been a quality player. Someone like Alonso, you could say for that season where we won the league was a game changer, playing the wing back role, but other than that, you you struggle to really look past them. Someone like Giroud's come in and done a really good job uh, when he's been called upon. And Pulisic has showed glimpses, but not enough. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to I'm struggling to think. We haven't had like a really big marquee signing for a long time, really. I mean, you can say. Werner and Havertz this summer, but they haven't performed yet. Um, and you look at our um, transfer window from from last summer, and we spent what two hundred and twenty million or whatever there it was. And our best our best signing has been the bloke who cost us nothing in Thiago Silva at thirty six years old, and um, that really says something to me. I don't know what you boys think. I'll go give that one to you, Tom. So for me, so Marina was in sort of sole charge of transfers since what, it was about halfway through that Conte second season. So I remember it after that United game when Michael yeah. Eminalo went. And I actually, I, I personally would defend Marina much more than most people. I think she's a good negotiator. She gets good prices and she gets players which on paper the fan base has generally been very, very welcome to since she's been in charge. I think the only, well, even Higuain was brought in on a loan deal. So I think it's slightly unfair to say that he was a flop in that sense of the word. Um, so no, I, I don't think that Marina deserves a sort of big punishment for that. I think signings have been broadly based on what the managers wanted, obviously, with the Jorginho, Kovacic signings, Pulisic coming in. Then you've obviously had the most recent window in which it's players that are some of the best in Europe that we've seen or we had seen prior to them coming to Chelsea. So, no, for me, it, it, it's not a recruitment issue. It's actually the attitude of the squad. Because once these players join our squads, that's when the problems start coming from our perspective. So... 
for me, I find it slightly unfair to attack Marina when it comes down to results like this and new signings not performing because I think the vast majority of us supported the signings that were made over the summer. And it's not Marina's fault that they're struggling on the pitch um, Mm -hmm. because, simply put, you know, we wanted these signings as much as I think the club did. Um, So, yeah, that's my stance on it. And as I say, I think Marina's a good punch bag for a lot of, I say a lot of people, but a lot lot of those who blame the signings. Um, But no, I don't think this is on her personally. Um, No. Fair enough. Look, I think, you know, I'll look, give credit to them. I think before the recent summer, the board's transfer strategy was muddled at best, being kind to them. But I think this summer we did see a clear a clear plan and strategy behind it. I just don't think they've necessarily worked just yet. Listen, I do think, it, as Tom said, it is quite easy to blame her and that these players are footballers at the end of the day. They've actually got to try and perform on the pitch but what I will say is the fact that we haven't offloaded players who should no longer be here I yeah. think is on her that is on her and she has to take responsibility for that but in terms of the question about the signings yeah, yeah I wouldn't necessarily put it on her but she definitely for me has some blame in regards to players that are still here so still have a role with offloading players Nick and I know I'm turning into the questioner here slightly <laughs> yeah but what what I suppose I would say is and I, I, I want to put this to you. If there are no buyers at any acceptable rate or even loan buyers with any sort of acceptable wage demand, how is it you can blame Marina Granovskaya for that? Because ultimately, as much as there are footballing parts to it, she does have to put the financial side first. And ultimately, if you've got an asset and you're not receiving suitable offers for that asset, is it really on her for refusing to get rid of them? I'm not so sure myself. I think personally with a, with, with a COVID transfer window where clubs didn't have money, even honestly to pay for good players, top players on loan, I think if anything, it was a misfortune. Um, and that's where I'm at with it. But I'm interested to know your take. So I put that back to you. No, I think that's a fair enough question that maybe... My response would be, does she have unrealistic like price values of some of these players? Does she, you know, do I think, look, for example, do I think, some, look, I'm, I think firstly, whether we like it or not, I think the goalkeeper situation should have been sorted sooner than it was. I don't think there's any way Kepa should have started the season in goal for us. I realise that's not necessarily related to what you've just asked. I think people like Rudiger, who was fifth choice, it seems it was going to be fifth choice. You know, we was happy to be let go. All of a sudden, he's back in the team. And I know there's a new manager, etc. And I kind of get, you know, not offloading because given the short-term history of Chelsea, it kind of makes sense to, to keep players if you can't get value. But I think in general, if you're not just going to... And I realise this is perhaps me being an unrealistic fan here, but if you're not going to properly like 100% back a manager, I feel we are going to get stuck in this cycle of having players still play for us who aren't good enough for the club. That's my, I'd be my honest expectation. Look, I don't know what, you know, I don't know all behind the scenes dealings, but, you know, it, I'm pretty, given that Tuch, when Tuke was at PSG, was interested in someone like Rudiger or someone, supposedly, I'm sure we could have tried to do something there. But look, I don't know behind scenes. Maybe I'm being harsh and maybe I've got, you know, as I say, slightly unrealistic expectations as a fan, but I'd like to think that the board would actually, you know, just back a manager completely instead of thinking, oh, we'll wait and see if they're still in the job in however many months and keep them there. Um, we've got, we've still got quite a few questions to get through. So I am going to try and speed through them a bit. David Branch asks, how badly do we need one of purely Kyle's ZH to find a real spot between now and May for our top four chances when fitness allows Tom? Oh, of paramount importance. But I think... To say Pulisic or Havertz, I think it can come from anywhere, but we need a player to step up like uh, Pulisic and Giroud sort of stood up after lockdown last year for that final stretch. I think a season's always splittable into three parts for us. The good start, the really crap middle, and the um, you know hopeful end to the season where we start winning games 
and there has to be somebody that steps up. Um, or I'd say more than one person, a couple of players that step up. If it's one of those three, great. But if Timo Werner starts banging them in every week, I think that can do it as well. Um, or if, you know, I, I think it can come from anywhere and who it comes from is, is much less important to me. But yes, we do need some inspired half seasons or third seasons, third of a season from somewhere. And, and we, need to, we need it to come quickly, I would suggest. Yeah, uh, Jack, so follow-up, similar question from Harry goes, how desperate are we for one of Pulisic, Havertz, Havertz or Ziyech to create and convert chances? It seems like we have a wealth of attacking talent that haven't shown up this season. I guess it kind yeah, of pops back it to goes, what we said earlier. Yeah, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, just about how heavily reliant we are on, on Mason to try and create something. Um, I don't think the formation helps um, to an extent, but at the end of the day, someone like Mason's got four goals now after today and three assists, which by his own standards, he'd be saying he wants more than that. And then someone like Berner's got five goals, five assists, only 10 goal contributions. We we massively need one of these boys to to get in this team and start creating and scoring goals because we haven't had a player like... Look at look. I'll use like Man United as an example. Someone like Bruno, you know, every pretty much every week he's going to pop up with something. And we used to have it with Hazard. We were really reliant on him. I know it's not good to an extent, but you need one of those players in your team to to bag the goals and assist to get you those points. And at the end of the day, if it's if it's like this and it's only Mason really creating something then will be stuffed for top four by the end of the season. Yeah, I think it's quite a damning statement that our top goal scorer of this season of the Premier League is Tammy Abraham with six goals. And we kind of, and, you know, given how lambasted he is on social media at times and given also the fact that he's, you know, not really even necessarily, I don't even think you can necessarily coin the term like regular this season for him or not, certainly not as important necessarily as it was at the start of last season. So, yeah, I think we massively need to. The follow-up question from Harry and Tom, I'll give this one to you. When will Tuchel realise that Alonso isn't good enough, even at left wing-back, and is Chilwell good enough? Well, for me, I think with Alonso, is he the best left wing-back at the club? I would suggest he probably is. Um, I do think there is a problem that when he does get a run of games and sees himself as a regular, it seems to me that his performances drop. And when he's brought back from the cold, so to speak, he seems to put in an inspired performance. And that is something that I think is noticed by certain individuals, noticed certainly by me. And that's not something that I, I look to him. Look, I don't like his attitude. I don't like the way he storms to the team bus after a draw against West Brom. And I don't think he's a man that has a long-term future at this club. But Coming on to Ben Shilwell, he, for me, has been our worst new signing this season, personally. I think he started really well. He looked really nice, but he just looks, for me, quite nondescript at the back. And it comes across, yes, he's good as an attacking player, but even that side of things went after a while. And he's a real, real concern for me, even in a four even in a 4-3-3 next season, him starting every week. I hope he builds form, but I was told by a Leicester fan when we signed him, you guys are going to find him wanting in defence. And that is what I have found in Chilwell so far. So on the left-back front, we thought we were getting the top left-back. We thought we were going to solve that problem. And it looks to me like it's been, it's as open as it has been in the last three to four years on the left-back front. So that's where I'm at on that. Um, and sorry for not sounding any more positive on it. Uh, it's just not an area I have many good vibes on, to be honest with you. Fair enough. A rather damning statement there from Tom. Let us know, guys, you know, when this pod's if you agree with Tom's statement there, certainly a very bold statement. Um, final question comes in from Davey. He asks, why do we struggle in and around the 18-yard box and how do we get players to shoot 86% possession at one point and zero shots on goal? Are we scared to put our laces through it? Jack? It's the final ball, isn't it? 
I've went through three, there was more than that, but I went through three straight away earlier, just not not playing the correct pass or overcooking it. Another example I forgot to mention earlier, there was Kovacic picked it up and it was four on four, I think, and he just knocks it straight out. It's things like that. We don't give ourselves the opportunity to then go and have a shot, if you ask me. Um, today, again, didn't really create anything and that that's been our problem at the end at the end of the day I'm I'm looking at the points we've picked up we've picked up 14 points under Tuchel we've got we've won three penalties and those penalties two of them got us three points and three points to six points and today's got us one point that's seven out of 14 points that's 50 percent of our points have come from penalties and you look at the other games, what we played Burnley, we were 1-0 up and had to wait till the 84th minute to score a second goal to kill, finally kill the game off. And then Newcastle were just absolutely pants. So that that is our massive problem, just being clinical in front of goal. Um, I don't really know how, how you can say, uh, how I can really describe what we need to do. We just They just need to pick the right pass and then just shoot when you get an opportunity. You saw Mason take a shot from quite a way out today when he got a little bit of space. I know it wasn't on target, but you need to see more of that, I think. Fair enough, Tom. Are you slightly concerned by, you know, perhaps the lack of creativity so far under Thomas Tuchel and now seemingly, you know, the lack of cutting edge, which just seems to have been a common theme, not even not just under Tuchel, not even under Frank, but he, even going back, you know, to, to Sari and Conte. Um, yeah, I think it's a confidence thing. Uh, I, no, I, I'm not in the longer term because I think, yeah, it's true we haven't scored more than two goals in a game. We've relied on penalties and whatever. I think the penalties, it's a very sort of tactical thing. I think we've won the penalties very much because of good play and good link-ups. Um, but yes, of course, there is a problem in the short term in terms of making goals, but I think as the players get better, as there's more tactical awareness and the players grow used to the tactics, I don't think this will be a problem in 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 the months to come, all going well with Tuchel. So, yeah, in the short term, it might be we need to create chances better. But in the longer run, I'm not so worried. No, I think we'll, I think we'll actually be all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I think... We say it's still early days on Thomas Tuchel. He's been in the job what three weeks now, close to a month maybe. Um, we've got to be patient, you know. Again, a lot of these players are being used to try and get results. It's going to be frustrating at times. It's not going to be pretty, but I think we've also got to acknowledge that on the whole, this football is a lot, lot better than the last month or whatever we were witnessing under the previous regime. There certainly have been clear improvements, bar one just catastrophic you know defensive laps today we have been certainly a lot more defensively solid under Tuchel and I mean even say aside from that we didn't really let Southampton have many shots Eddie Mendy has been relatively untested in goals so I think that's a positive I do just think yeah the attack the attacking issues will 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 continue to plague us this season that's where and why I'm less confident about against us against someone like Atletico where we're going to perhaps live off scraps and we're going to have to be clinical and that is the opposite of what Chelsea have been this season but look I think we're doing um, we're doing okay and you know at the end of the day there's, there's signs there's positive signs under Tuchel I can certainly see that it's just you know it's not as pretty as we might like but again we've got to be patient and realistic and I think you know he's a top manager who's won trophies He's working with a squad of players. We don't know how many of them will still be here next season. So we've just got to be patient with them. And I think, you know, the good good times will come. And I think, look, let's prop, you know, we can get proper judgment of this run of games coming up because this is the real litmus test for Thomas Tuchel and this Chelsea team. Right. That was a fun episode, despite the result. That wraps up this episode of that Chelsea podcast. I want to thank Tom again for coming on. Tom, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. And, you know, just before you go, plug your Twitter out so people can drop you a follow. I'm at Tobas98. I'm always happy to come on this pod. It's one of my favourites in the community. As I say, make sure you follow these guys. I'll, I'll put it straight back to straight back to them as well. Um, just 
make sure you follow me, follow us. And it's just a really great pod to be on. Thank you very much for having me. And I'm sure we'll be, well, I, I hope we'll be celebrating against Atletico on Wednesday, but we'll have to see about that. Yes, and I promise, I promise Tom will be on one day after we win a match. It will happen. It will happen. It's just been unfortunate so far. Uh, as you might have to stop pre-booking me, mate. You might have to, um, you know, just drop me a message after a win saying, do you fancy coming on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll just, we'll just wig it. Um, right, as for us, you can follow us on Instagram at Bad Chelsea Pod. On Twitter at Bad Chelsea Pod. We're available on all your usual podcast platform providers. And hey, if you like the pod, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out and until the next episode everybody keep a blue flag flying sports social podcast network hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.